0: Hi Villains and welcome to For the Love of Palmagrad podcast and today it's just me Neil, I don't have Paddy but I have had a knock at the door and there's two visitors here to, to, to come in for a cup of tea and have a little chat today and it's the two guys off the Villa View, it's Dan Bardell and Ty Bracey, how are you doing today guys?
2: Good mate, always good after a, after a win, the next day always, the next morning always sounds a bit more bearable when, when Villa have won a game, it's obviously nice to do podcasts and the like when Villa have won as well.
0: Excellent, exactly, exactly. Um as I said today I, I was sharing out there because uh, for any of you guys who don't know, I was on the villa view last night with the two guys and uh I shared out last there this morning I said a villa win. Looking back at it in the next day, it's the best fun you can have with your clothes on. So uh <laughs> 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 It always rings true, you know. You do it you do have a bit of a pep in your step the next day. Tell you, how are you feeling this morning?
1: I'm really good, you know. It's like um don't know what's happened to my voice there. Um, it's like, uh, the only way I can describe it is like going out and getting absolutely smashed, but then waking up with no hangover.
0: Yeah, I take that. I'll take that.
1: It's, it's, the sun is shining. It's a bit cold in, uh, in, in Viva La Birmingham, but it's, uh, it's a lovely day, mate. You know, it's nice to be on socials this morning as well, because it's just positivity beaming everywhere, you know, which is always a good sign after a, a rough couple of years. So.
0: Yeah, I did something that, I've, that I haven't done in a long, long time, and when I was with you guys last night, I was maybe about 90 minutes away from, from where I live, so I hopped back into the car, I was in the coffees last night in the pub, and uh, hopped into the car, and as I was driving back, I turned on Talk Sport. Just something that I haven't no. done for quite a while. I'd say maybe Martin O'Neill or it was the last time I could stomach listen to the talk sport. Not against it. It's just when Villa were down, they were very negative about Villa, So, uh, which I suppose you can't really blame them. Um, but I, I turned on last night, and that'll tell you how much a win will rise all boats. You know, it's. Uh, I was actually looking forward to listening to Jason Cundy and what he had to say about that. I no. last, Villa last night, So that'll tell you what kind of a good mood I was in when I was going when I was going up the road
2: <laughs> was, was Gabby not on? He's he's on Talk Sport every five minutes at the moment, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he wasn't on last night. Not that I heard anyway, but uh, no. I actually like him. I like listening to him. He's no, got some, I do too. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. He's not a hot tech merchant, which there are too many of those really, I suppose. Knocking around at the moment, and he's a wind-up
1: and, merchant, isn't he? And uh, I think that's brilliant. what they look for in a in a in a presenter on talk sport. You know, he's just an absolute wind-up merchant, he, and he's the he's the biggest one of them all, mate. So you'll fit right in, in there.
0: He's. I think the great thing about him is that, like, he speaks his mind, and he's obviously very passionate and, and an Aston Villa supporter, and he's not going to let anybody talk down about the club. And yeah. uh, I think the latter, like when he's on, he will snap back at people who start not talking negatively, and I think. I'm not going to say for too long, but it's been a while since we've had maybe uh, a person in the media that's been able to kind of stand up for us, I suppose. stand yeah. up for that. I know Rambo David. McNally does it every, every so often, you know, on Sky Sports, he's uh, and you don't want to mess with him, but, um, there's a, there's a couple of guys who, who would have a high enough profile that would be able to do it. But, uh, I'm glad to see Gabby is out there getting pushed out in front of the cameras and is uh, doing a bit in the media because, uh, you know, he's, you know what he did for villa was absolutely fantastic as well, and sometimes it goes, goes unsung. I think as time goes on, people forget how good he was um but uh yeah, as I say so it 's great, great to see him and speaking about people forgetting how good certain things certain players and certain events are before we get on to the game last night today is twenty six years on from phil king 's penalty against uh, against inter Milan to uh, to win the first round of the of the UEFA Cup and I, I was blown away by it this morning when um when, when I was reading about it and when you look back at that game do you guys remember it at all I think Dan you were saying just beforehand that that was your first European Dan game right? a fossil.
2: <laughs> yeah I was uh it was would have been my first European game I think I might have even been the first first year I had a season ticket so it was my first exposure to to European football at, at Villa Park and when you're a kid you kind of got used to it didn't yeah. you go to the going to those UEFA cup games because we, we pretty much were in the UEFA cup for most of my my early time supporting Villa, I mean, yeah. it's completely gone gone awry now, and we're, we're nowhere near Europe. But there were always good times Villa Park under the lights, and I think that was before the whole End went to, went to all seater. I think they were they were redoing the upper tier. They were at, at, at that point. So I, w- I was on a milk crate watching that watching that game. <laughs> I,
1: th- I, I think health and safety.
2: But, yeah, exactly. yeah, I used that's what you used to do. You used to stand on a milk crate as a, as a kid in, in in the whole End, and I just remember when Phil King's penalty went in. I don't think I even saw it go in because it, it just erupted there were, there was bodies, people everywhere, so that was that was like my my first exposure to limbs if you like because <laughs> he was just he was just absolute carnage. now I was only about seven i think
0: yeah it was it, it was one of my first games that I it was definitely the first um European game I remember obviously I watched it at home, and I was telling the guys that i I had a bit of a mishap that I watched it I was standing on a on, a, on a, um a windowsill and as I j- went to jump down off the windowsill, I was wearing. I was like seven or eight as well, but I was wearing a really big, fluffy pair of socks or something. And as I jumped down, my feet got stuck in a radiator, and I mashed my head off the ground. But uh, I remember it. That's I remember Phil, I remember seeing Phil King's goal on TV. My my parents said we stay up to watch the um, watch the penalty shootout because uh, obviously. You know, my dad, my dad wouldn't have been a big football fan, wouldn't have been a big soccer fan at all in our house. But uh, as I started to grow to love Aston Villa from the age of maybe about five or six or seven, um, he started following them with me. So, uh, yeah, it was great. It was my, my old memory. man's
1: a blue nose, mate. So, uh, my old man's a blue nose. My brother's massive on football. He's, he's, uh, he's like you, Dan, with results from, uh, from past times. He's just got an insane memory for it. But he's an Arsenal fan because he lived in Surrey till he was eight. So, uh, you know, I was only four. When that game happened, unfortunately, so uh, I was probably I was probably playing uh, with some Power Rangers to be fair in the bath or something.
2: <laughs> I, I saw Phil King about two weeks after that game. I, I think Neil Ampty lived over the road from me, and we saw like we were playing football on the field, and we saw Neil Ampty Dean Saunders and Phil King, and we went over to get autographs, and Phil King wouldn't sign anything. Neil Ait really? and Dean Saunders did Phil King just said no autographs today, lads. We were literally wow. about seven, eight years old. Did so that he... pe- that penalty, that penalty clip always quite tarnished for me after that. A few weeks later. <laughs>
0: Like did he? Did he think that his star was on the ascent? Like that's probably I don't the, know. That's the most famous he was. <laughs> just going up, and I was just That's that is.
2: <laughs> "It was made. Was honestly mad because obviously Dean Saunders at the time was was Villa's main man, and he was like quite happy to sign, sign, sign the footballs and stuff. I think one of the footballs had dog shit on it at the <laughs> time, and he still he still signed it. But yeah, Phil King just literally turned around to a bunch of kids and was like, "No autographs today, lads. So, I can't believe it.
0: Yeah." Come on, Phil. Rectify it. Send down an <laughs> autograph if you're listening to the podcast. Rectify this situation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like as, as I say, hopefully those UFA Cup days are coming back and Champions League days, I suppose, even, uh, even more to the point they're coming back because we're in the Heady Heights after last night's game. We're, we're up there. Um, come and get us, we've got a target on our back now after two games and we're most likely going to win the league that's probably, um, that's, that's my synopsis of, the, of how the league has gone so far but we obviously beat uh, Fulham last night, 3-0 uh, pretty comfortable performance, I think it's fair to say um, Fulham's owner has come out this morning with a pretty weird statement about player acquisition and stuff like that But and I wouldn't let that tarnish our performance last night uh Ty, i have got to come to you first. Obviously, that team selection is, is, was, was more or less the same from Sheffield United the week before. Um, when, you, when the team was announced, you know there, there looks to be an awful lot of balance in that team as it is. And obviously, we've got players to come in. But did you think that we would kind of come out of the traps as fast as we did with obviously the two early goals? Or what was, what was your initial feeling before kickoff?
1: I was I was I was fairly confident with the team selection. To be fair, um, you know I think you know you see a lot of uh, score predictions on social media, and I think most of them said the same. You know, Barb, maybe Trezeguet and Traore switching around. Um, I was really happy with the team selection. To be fair, you know, and bar one or two more coming in. I think that's probably the starting eleven you'll see for the majority of the season. You know, with maybe a rotation of a midfielder and a winger.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's a fair cop as well, and uh, there was uh, a certain man, a certain manager that manages the team that we're going to talk about, or managed the team to the great success that we're going to talk about in a moment. And Mister Tony Pulis, then he had a a few words to say. He's not a, wasn't very um how will I put this? It wasn't very complimentary. Well, I don't think it was. He wasn't complimentary about Tyrone Mings, but. It's like if you never watched him play football before. You said that he wouldn't be yeah. able to, to marshal Mitrovic or marshal the, the Fulham attack. But uh a bit of face, I think, afterwards, because their attack was pretty powder puff, a couple of crosses in from Kenny Tete on the right wing, um, coming down that side. Um, I suppose our defensive setup then it's it's obviously something that's that's kind of come good since lockdown. And what are your views on it? Is there anything that you can actually pinpoint as to as to what massive changes have happened in that defence?
2: I think probably one thing that has changed is is just in front of the back four. So if you look at Douglas Luiz, I wasn't having him at all before before lockdown. I just wasn't seeing what some people were saying. Yes, I could say that he he was a good footballer in terms of of his technique and the way he moved the ball, but I thought defensively he was causing us all kinds of problems. Came back after after lockdown when football restarted and his positional sense as a, as a DM in front of the back four was, was just incredible. And those last 10 games, he was far and away... Our best player, and he, he made me look very stupid with some of the tweets I've done in the past. So I think having him in front of the in, in front of the back four up to speed has, has really really helped. But when we defend defending, we just look a, a bit more compact. I think we we press at the right times as a team now, whereas before perhaps we, we weren't doing that and we were leaving ourselves a bit a bit open. There's, st- there's still moments where people make rash decisions. concert's very very good; he, he's matured, but every now and again he'll do something that reminds you that he's a young centre back, and even Mings himself. He hasn't played a load of games at centre-back in in the Premier League, yet he's seen as this really experienced player and our leader back there. But if you look in terms of game time as a Premier League centre-back, he's he's probably miles away in in terms of games played. So I think everyone just getting up to speed and getting used to it has helped. We had troubles with goalkeepers as well over the course of last season. Hopefully that's going to settle down now. But we just look more compact and we look more organised. and It just looks like everyone knows their jobs and when they're supposed to do things, whereas that was not the case for the first 28 games of the season last year.
0: Yeah, and that's that's I suppose that is a good cop that these guys needed time to play together. We had a lot of chop and change. Engels was in the team one week, Haas was in the team another week. Yeah, Um, you know we had Mohamedi, Gilbert swapping at at right back, and and that kind of as a unit, it's probably the biggest unit. The the, it's one of those ones that you need stability. Like you go back to the United teams, the early uh, Alex Ferguson United teams. You had Paul Parker, you had Bruce Pallister and Irwin. You know, going back to like that's. I, I would say they played every single game that year you know and you see that even Arsenal when they went Invincible I would imagine that they, if I was to look back at it their back four probably played every minute together as well so it's important to have yeah, that done. stability in a back four I think too and that's probably as well you see like even you look at you look at Man City's travails and I know this isn't a Man City podcast but there's a lot of chop and change trying to find the right formula and maybe sometimes the time isn't given because managers are under the chopping block an awful lot and you know it's mad to hear that Pep Guardiola has signed Five hundred million worth of defenders, and now they're talking about not giving him time to. Now the media are saying, "Well, how is he getting so much time to implement these guys?" But you know, that's that's football, I suppose, and that's a conversation for a completely different day. But but Ty, looking at some defenders that we have there as well, there's a much maligned defender that we have, and I don't know. I think that I think he comes in for an awful lot of unwanted stick, and it's it's Matt Target down the left hand side. Um, oh, controversial. Sometimes I'm not seeing why people are as angry with him as as they are. Um, at the, in his early few games last year, I probably did gnash my teeth and shake my fist at him a couple of times until I kind of, learnt, until it kind of became apparent that he can't that this is this has to be what he's being asked to do. That that his job is to be that overlap for Jack Grealish, and then you know his defensive duties are very much uh, a kind of a soft press. As opposed to being right yeah. up in, in in the in the winger's face. Tell me what you feel, Antergo. What are your views on him?
1: I mean, I don't really want to be massively controversial to him. Um, I mean, I brought it up last night on the, on the Villa View, and you know, I got a bit of stick for uh, for. I, I wouldn't even say it was a negative, but I, I think left back is a position that I wouldn't say we're weak. I don't think weak is the right word, but um, the the issue I've got with our, our left wing back position is we've got. Neil Taylor who isn't defensively poor but he has nothing going forward but then you've got Matty Target who is great going forward and probably not as good coming back um, but his link up play with Grealish alongside the left you know he's, you know, he's been really impressive over uh, the course of last season Um and I think they work really well together on the left. So you know, it's not really something I'd uh, I'd want to disrupt this season. Um, but I think it is an area that Dean will look into in the future. You know, we've been uh, there's been there's been rumours flying about of uh, Henry from Brentford being brought in, but I don't think it's an area we're gonna we're gonna touch upon this this window.
0: Yeah, it's it's it'll be an interesting one because, as you mentioned, Neil Taylor is. He's a very decent defender. He's an international quality defender. Yes, he's once again, he's a guy who has his cult following and he's got his uh, his detractors too. But it, I suppose if we were to look at it, um, that would be an area that, if you were to poll the, the public, that most fellow fans would say we'd need to strengthen. It'll be interesting to see what happens there because, as I say... I like I quite like Matty Target. He's grown on me, and the fact that we're almost willing to invite people down that wing because nearly yeah. far, between 45 and 50 percent of uh, all the the our opposition's attacks come down that wing religiously every single week. So it's almost like we funnel people down that wing because we're nearly yeah. better at defending crosses from there or something. I don't know what it is. It's, it's a really strange yeah. I mean,
1: I I, th- I think he was he was really important. You know, I don't want to sit here and slate him because he he was massive for us last season. You know, and uh, he got some assists in place and scored some goals. You know, and he you know he was there in the right place at the right time. So I, so I don't want to sit here and knock him and say, oh yeah, he shouldn't be in the squad because I I think he should be in the squad. You know, but I think. Over the next year or two, if we're going to start pushing up the table more, I think that is an area we're going to have to improve on. Uh, I think we need more of a, more of an all-round left-sided wing back. If I'm honest, Mm -hmm.
2: the thing is, though, we spent like 17, 18 million on him, and I know the owners have got got big money, but we're not going to go and spend 17, 18 million pounds on someone, and then just make that make them a backup. And I think the other thing we target is. He's very good going forward. I, I, I really like him. I think he gets undue criticism. I think as Villa fans we are always looking for someone to criticize, and especially on social media, and I, I don't really like that. It feels like at Villa since ever I've gone down, that there always has to be a scapegoat. But you associate attacking fullbacks usually with having the speed. So if he gets caught up the pitch, he just doesn't have to have the yeah. speed to get back. That that that's not his game. So it's yeah. it's almost like we're asking him. To, to recover and it's, it's a way that he isn't going to be able to recover because he hasn't got that that raw power and speed but yeah he's very up and down he has he has some good games he has some bad games but that, that won't be a priority for, for the board especially in this window because there's other areas that they need to get get people in and I can't simply I can't spend 18 million on someone and then not have them as first choice yeah I agree
0: it's it's interesting as well. If you see the shift in the league, you see guys like uh, Tariq Lamptey, young kid comes in. Athletic can play the game. Can can be a pressing, attacking fullback. You see Trent Alexander-Arnold. There is also this thought process that the shift to maybe you can get in a young Athletic guy from your academy, or you can get in a young Athletic guy that has latent speed and latent Athletic uh, traits that can play that that that. That position if needed and I think that you know there's uh, what's his name Kane Hessler or Kane yeah Hayden Kessler and stuff Hayden. like that Kessler Hayden yeah I think there might be something in him as well obviously being on the bench last year uh, and so on so maybe that is the thought process that they can maybe get someone in there if in a pinch obviously Neil Taylor is next up if Neil Taylor was to go down then in a pinch you could bring in somebody like that and as long as the, the, it doesn't affect Jack, which, to be honest, which is really pivotal in our attacking sense, obviously, if it doesn't affect the overlaps for him and the confidence that he has in going forward and, and having that out ball to the outside so that he can just shift it wide um, and we get maybe 80% of the defensive duties that, that Matt Target has, I think he's probably okay with that, Dean Smith, to kind of punt on that for this year. But also, I think as well, that Matty Target, you kind of see him, there's, there's kind of a... Uh, Tyrone Mings without anybody in the, in the in the crowd you could hear that Tyrone Mings bawled him out of it a couple of times there last night but uh, he takes it in good jest And what I think in this is well, another piece I wanted to bring up was this team I, I can't ever remember an Aston Villa team that has such camaraderie in it such like they all seem like friends you know they all yeah. really seem like friends Tyrone Mings you see Mings and, and John McGinn and Jack Grealish and, and even Ollie Watkins now and, and, and so on they're, they're all fitting and knitting in it's for me, and I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on it, for me, that's probably been the biggest thing that Dean Smith has done. He's united the club. I'd like your views on it, Dan. Maybe am I being overly simplistic or have I got my blue glasses on here? Do I think that Dean Smith is... Am I just thinking that because he's a Villa fan or what? Or is that something that you guys are picking up too?
2: No, I think it's, it's valid. I think there's been moments since Smith's been here where the, where the dressing room would have been a bit disgruntled. And you, we had a bad run under Smith in the championship when he first came in. And obviously, we had bad runs last year. But sometimes having a bit of, a bit of angst in the dressing room, it, it, it's not a bad thing because I know that Dean Smith and his coaching staff, they basically just got like a, a no head's policy. Yeah. So when they bring players in, they, they look heavily at the, at the character, how how they're going to fit in in the dressing room. I mean, Matt Target and Jack Gouriel, for example, were good friends before before he came in. So they'll have looked at that, they'll have asked Jack, Jack about him, what his opinion is on him. They want people that are going to fit in the dressing room and, and not cause problems. So as much as they want good players, I think something they look at is... They want to have a strong dressing room. They want to have that togetherness, and, and ultimately, that was a huge factor in us staying up last season because the lads got together. Dean Smith cajoled them, and we got ourselves out of trouble when it really looked like we were going down.
0: Yeah, and, and Ty, has it been any kind of? Is there anybody you think that obviously when you see people like Mings and 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 uh, and Jack out there, they're the two leaders. Is there anybody else that you think that really kind of is that that gel within that team? Because you know. There have been calls even, like if Villa were getting relegated last year, it was a case of, okay, we're, the bigger teams are going to pick apart this squad. Yeah. But obviously the squad stayed together. We haven't let anybody go this season, and, and that's testament. So is there anybody else? Do you think there's probably a, you know, a, bit of, a piece of glue within that team that's kind of keeping everybody together?
1: Um, I think it's I think it's collective across everybody um, more than everything uh, more than anything. Sorry, um, I think believe, believing in in Dino has been a massive factor as well. You know, I mean, if you look at the stick me and Dan got at the end of last season, um, I, I up until the last day was you know Smithing and w- we can do this. You know, and I got absolutely hammered for it. Um, someone who I've been particularly impressed with, especially after lockdown, because we did look a bit uh, rusty after lockdown at the start, you know, even though we were defensively better, um, was Douglas Louise. He just come back a completely different player, you know, and then you're hearing that he's, uh, been passing English exams, you know, so he's adding to the communication with the squad, you know, and as, as Dan said, when, uh, at the start of the podcast with what's changed in the defence, where we got better. It's what's in front of him. You know, we've got the Brazilian Vieira and I think he, I think he's fantastic. Um, and people were saying that he had a quiet game last night and I don't really believe that to be true, but it was just that we didn't have a team hammering us for 90 minutes coming at us. So we didn't really see much of him as more than usual because he wasn't as heavily involved because we were much further up the pitch.
2: Yeah, yeah Your DM's quiet, that's, uh, that's a good thing. You're you, you wanting to quietly get get along with his business. It means you you haven't been in trouble through the game.
1: Definitely, yeah, I agree, mate.
0: It, and it's interesting as well. I haven't looked at the at the stats from last night, but when you look at the who scored team of the week so far, there's four Aston Villa players in it: Mings, Matty Cash, and then the two other central midfielders that weren't Douglas Louise. And usually, you'd be saying that Douglas Louise was their standout central midfielder. So McGinn and and Conor Howard were uh, were selected in the the who scored team. So there was four Villa players in total there, which is uh, I suppose it is testament to the fact that it was so comfortable that we could do what we wanted with Fulham yesterday as well. Um, and, and and as I say, I think if there was money left in the pot at the end of the year, and I don't know if Man City like it, uh, I think it would be wise to see if there was an option to maybe buy out uh, Douglas Luiz' recall or uh, buy-back clause in his contract. Because you see that this club means business. And, and the reason I was getting with the camaraderie piece is because obviously Mings has signed a new contract. Jack Grealish has signed a new contract. I would expect guys like McGinn. And uh, you know, there's no point in offering Douglas Louise a new contract now if Man City just decide, hey, we're going to take him back, now that Fernandinho is uh, is is on his last legs. So it would be an interesting piece to be able to um, to see if there was some negotiation with, with, with Man City on that and see if we, if, if we could do a deal. Lock him up for a couple of years because that core of the team would be pivotal. And, and while some people said bringing in the multitude of players we did last year was a negative... I think going forward, the players that we want to keep, it will be a good point because we'll have them all locked up for four or five years, and they'll be able to grow together. and obviously, you know, five-year contracts mean heavy, heavy transfer uh, value for those players because they won't have, have time winding down their contract, provided they don't try to throw the ties out of their pram. but as Dan said, we don't hire knobheads in the, uh, in the recruitment process. so uh, hopefully that will be the case that, that we've got honorable young gentlemen that will uh, will stick to their contracts and not try to put dummies out of the ties out of the pram.
2: But I look, think we'll be in trouble with Louise, you know.
0: Not,
2: <laughs> not this, not, not not this summer. In yeah. twelve months' time, I think I think we're going to be in big trouble. If you watched, man, I don't remember anyone watching the Man City game oh. on Sunday, but um Rodri and Fernandinho just look so pedestrian, mm. and Louise he, he isn't that, and he's also got the passing attributes that, that Pep likes. So, I mean, to be fair, Pep might not be here in twelve months' time, which would would probably end up being a good thing for Villa. But he likes Louise, so I think in twelve months' time we're in a bit of trouble there.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as I say, it's it's definitely something to look at. Um, Obviously, there are talk, there's talks potentially, most likely, of, well, this morning, it looks like the Ross Barkley yesterday, it looked like it was Ruben Loftus' cheek. I don't really want to go down the the transfer merry-go-round at the moment because I think everybody's clamouring to have that first story and throwing shit at the wall, if you would excuse the phrase. I had to say that they could be right, but I think that this one goes down to Sunday evening or, Saturday, or Monday evening. Um, five o'clock whatever time the transfer window closes and I think we'll see two more people in there but before we look yeah. uh, as I say, the transfer window can wait we've got two massive games to play before that and what I've got really I suppose talk about Liverpool but Stoke we've got Stoke uh, uh, which is a kind of I don't know I like the Carabao Cup being played midweek at the start of the season I, I actually think it's something and I hope it's something that they keep and that they reorganise the the, the calendar to, to, to do that and reorganize the, the European calendar too because I think this works because it floods people with football early on and it gets the Carabao Cup out of the way. Um, we're beneficiaries of this massively. Jacob Ramsey came on last night and he would not have seen minutes only for his good performance in the Carabao Cup and it is a way of teams maybe the blood players, see what they have in the youth before they go and blow 20, 30 million in the transfer market in the last day of the season. Um, we've got Stoke on Thursday uh, I'm presuming nobody here wants to see any of the eleven that played last night uh, step on the field against Stoke. <laughs> what do you think, Ty? Would you risk anyone?
1: Um, I, I think it'll be a, another rotation team, um, just like against uh, against Bristol and Burton. If I'm honest, um, I'd like. I think Traore will definitely start. Uh, I think Keenan Davis will get some minutes. I'm, uh, I'm I'm really keen for Keenan Davis to get minutes. You know, uh, and I think to be fair. Considering we're quite an impatient fan base and have been over the last few years, Villa fans online have been quite, patient with Keenan Davis which I find surprising because there's probably times where he can be quite frustrating to watch but there's times where he does things where you look at other attributes than being a goal scorer up front and think yeah he's really great so his hold up play is really good um you know if you need to waste five or ten minutes end of the game perfect bring him on because he's a big strong player good at holding the ball up just like uh, McGinn when he sticks his backside into everybody it's it's uh it's great, yeah, but I reckon you'll see a, a weakened youth squad again. Maybe you might see, I reckon you might see a bit of uh, Jack and McGinn, actually, to be fair, and maybe Mings or or Conter. I think you'll see one of those two, you know, because the opponents are starting to get a little bit tougher now. Mm-hmm. Um, Bristol put out a weakened side, you know, so you could tell straight away that they weren't expecting anything from the game, but I think Stoke might come a bit more uh, guns blazing this time round.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's fair. I I I'm right in saying Dan Bjorn Engels is back in training. Maybe he might be someone we might see in defence. Maybe give him a run out, see if someone wants to pony up for him because he is somebody that seems to be on the chopping block. I think if an offer comes in for him, they would heavily consider it.
2: Yeah, I mean I don't think he'll play on Thursday. I think it'll probably be too soon for him. I don't think he's played since that that Leicester game where we got mm. absolutely battered, but before the the world went to pot, so it'd be too soon for him. I don't think, personally, I don't think we can afford to sell him because if we got rid of him, we've only got three centre-backs in, in, in the building. For me, you always need at least four, and I, I always quite like it. If, if you've got five centre-backs, a lot like we started last season with, because it does give you the option if you want to ever change the three at the back, I'd say you ha- had to have five centre-backs. I mean, I know Elmer played centre-back last, last week, which I, I think he found quite amusing. Yeah. To, to be fair, the the Egyptian Nesta at center half, stepping out with the ball. But... I've got no, I think Engels for where we're at at the moment, Engels as a, as a backup centre half, I think that's a pretty, a pretty strong position to, to be in. i look at Engels as being the backup for Conser and Hawes as being the backup for Mings. That would be the simplistic way mm-hmm. I would look at it. But the biggest thing I'm worried about on Thursday is, is James Chester playing because that's going to absolutely break my heart.
0: You did, you were saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, James Chester, I think, is close to every villain's heart over the last three or four years. And uh, yeah, if he does get a run out, um, as I said, it's, it's going to be. It's a pity there won't be any Villa fans there to give him a, give him, yeah. give the captain's applause because uh, you know he literally more or less gave up his career, his Premier League career to 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 help Aston Villa. You know, so that there's there's a lot in that, and uh, for that year that he gave us. Um, yeah, I, are are we do? I suppose does Dean Smith as well with with Stoke obviously the weekend or Stoke on, th- on Thursday Liverpool at the weekend. It's going to be an interesting blend of alchemy or whatever you want to call it that Edine Smith is going to have to come up with because I would say in his mind's eye, he wants to keep the, the winning streak going. Um, like we're unbeaten in... Jesus, I can't remember what it is. is it eight games? No. Um, a few years now, it feels like. <laughs> it does, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. we We've. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, we've won eight games in a row, or something like that, at the moment. If you include, uh, oh no, we didn't. We drew against West Ham. Item B. I think
2: we're item B, B at the B. moment overall. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think we. Um. I think we have won. I said this to Dan last night. I think we've won our first three games in a row at Villa Park since 2009 under Martin O'Neill.
0: Ooh. Jeez, that's uh yeah, because like the stat to win our first two Premier League games since nineteen ninety-nine was a mind blower. Um that yeah. was crazy, crazy, crazy stat that uh, considering the amount of years that we must have been that we were in the Premier League just treading water, when you when you think back to it, even when we had Martin O'Neill there. You know, we still couldn't put two Premier League wins together at the start of the season, so we were obviously slow starters back then as well. So, so this is good. This is a very positive time to be an Aston Villa fan, and I hope we go out against Stoke. I hope you know that those players uh, keep the fire lit for Aston Villa, and this, uh, you know we come away with a win in it because it's been a competition. It's been good to us. It was good to us last year. It gave us the happy, probably the second happiest day of the season, getting to Wembley. And uh, yes, people can say that it probably detracted from our league performance, but. You know, you have to have a ticket to win that, to win that, uh, to win that trophy, and, and to win a trophy for Aston Villa is, is, is would be absolutely fantastic. And um, staying up is, I, I, I think this season staying up is uh, much more in our own hands. I think the team is more capable of it this year. So maybe pers- pressing on and catching teams cold in the Carabao Cup this year. Have another crack at it, see if we can win it again it would be great We've got Chelsea and and Spurs tonight So that's one one of the big six teams Gone yeah. out of the competition You know, we might get another favourable run I think our run-in is actually favourable enough Until the semi-final um, Provided that things go our way And yeah, why not? Why not have another go at it with our youth team as well?
2: Do you not think it's like peak Villa That pretty much the last game Most Villa fans would have gone to Would have been the cup final where we lost and then we go and go and win it the year after when no one can go. That would, ju- that would just be like vintage Villa. We've all that been waiting serious. to say, us win a trophy since 1996. Uh, and then
0: the,
2: the time will come and we won't be able to be there. That, that yeah. just feels like something that could happen to me.
0: Best of luck with your 10 o'clock curfew in, in Sally Hall, in yeah. uh, in Hale Zone, and, and, and anywhere <laughs> like that, Boris, if Villa won a cup this year. Best of luck with your 10 o'clock curfew. No, oh, I'd, I'd never God. come
2: in. I'd never go home. <laughs> I think that <laughs> yeah. was the last time I seen you, wasn't it, Dan? Probably mate I feel like I haven't Seen any Villa fans For yeah, uh, obviously I, a I don't live part. in Birmingham Yeah I don't live in Birmingham So I've not, not Seen
0: many Villa fans For a while mm. Yeah it's uh, Yeah and hopefully As I say Someone will come up With a magic vaccine Hopefully soon And Fingers uh, crossed we we'll kick This And uh, yeah Because Like even getting over From Ireland um you know, it's not a big deal. You could do day trips to Villa Park, and and it doesn't knock a jot off you. You know, twenty quid in Ryanair, you pay twenty quid getting on the train from London up to Birmingham. You know, probably more. Definitely. You know, so it's a it's a case of uh, it's very easy for us to travel over here as well and uh, and get to Villa Park. So the, lot, the sooner it comes around, the better. Um. So, guys, listen, I've taken up way too much of your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, uh, Ty and Dan. Um. I I'm almost I feel like I'm patronizing telling people to to watch you guys in the villa view because no, I'm no, no. Here. <laughs> you know if you aren't watching the villa view already then you're it's you that's wrong okay it's not it's not the guys it's not the guys problem at all but the um. Yeah, if you guys want to want to plug, just just so I don't get any handles wrong on Twitter or anything like that, because I I'm the worst. I'm I'm only dyslexic when I read Twitter handles, so I'm not. Now Dan needs to...
1: Dan needs to follow us more than me. I'll let him. I Thank uh, you. Uh, <laughs> say <issues laughs> I was it.
2: just I was just going to say that last night when you came on, there was like so much love for this podcast in the chat. Going, going through whilst, whilst you were talking and whilst we were, uh, we were doing our stuff on the Villa View. So it's great to say I, I love that there's so many Villa podcasts and that mm. everyone wants to help each other. There's like, there's like a little community. I, I yeah. think it's, it's really good and it's a pleasure for me and Toy to come on here today. We'll <laughs> give my athletic, my athletic podcast a, a little plug, though, 1874, with, with Greg Evans, because people might not be aware of that. But, but yeah, the Villa View, 1874. Hopefully, people enjoy them, and yeah, just encourage everyone to listen to as many Villa Fan podcasts as they can, because people are doing it mostly out of pure love.
0: Mm-hmm. The eighteen seventy four. Actually, I'm going to double on that as well. The Athletic is my favourite publication, and I'm not saying that you guys will see behind me. Uh, I've got American football apparel here behind me. Uh, um, yeah. The Athletic is just it's, it's proper journalism for me. They get uh, like even when they first broke into the UK market, they had that conversation with Jack Grealish, his old school. Um, he's old. Um, I can't even remember what it was. It's was like his secondary school soccer coach. Uh, at the time, and they went back and they found people who spotted him when he was 10, 11, 12 and everything. Yeah, it's just yeah. really great articles there in The Athletic too. And, and you guys, and, and as I say, yourself and Greg are doing fantastic things in The Athletic and, and long may continue because uh, they've been a source of super information, even in the NFL and stuff, and I'm delighted to see them hit the, hit the Premier League market. So uh, it's, uh, it's definitely one of the subscriptions that I would never uh, think of canning anyway because the content is just too good and it's different to the clickbait uh, in-your-face potential negativity that you get on maybe more mainstream uh, uh, publications and so on. So uh, thank you for all you do on that as well. Ty, where can people find you?
1: Um, I'm not going to plug me, okay. Neil. I want to plug you because you're someone who talks very passionately. I mean – Now probably more so than ever is uh, there's a lot of podcasts starting. There's a lot of, I don't want to say competition because as Dan said, there's quite a nice tight knit community of content creators. Um, But, from when i started listening to your podcast mate just full of energy and a breath of fresh air and something a little bit different to the rest of the villa podcasts and it's always nice to hear an irish accent there's just something about irish accents that just make you smile um and that's why you know people might think that uh, neil approached us i approached neil i wanted to come on and i said stan do you want to go on with neil so you know we wanted to come on the famous uh with the famous neil that's what we wanted to do so i want to plug you mate shout out to you you're the real mvp
0: thanks so much I'm, I'm blushing people can't see it here I'm actually blushing yes he I, I can see I can see yeah uh, you can definitely say that as a, as a as a true a true Irishman we don't take compliments well we're usually get we're used to getting kicks up the arse than, than, than compliments so thank you <laughs> I will take them I'm going to speak to my therapist after this and get used to taking compliments a, spot, a bit more <laughs>
1: <laughs> baby steps mate baby steps. baby
0: steps exactly well thank you so much guys for coming on um, and uh, as I say here's to, uh, I suppose, look, hey, why, why stop at Stoke? Here's to beating Stoke this week and then going on and giving Liverpool a good shake up um, if we can get at their defence like like Arsenal did in the early half last night. And Arsenal could have scored three last night. Lacazette just kicked two off Alisson. He didn't even have to save them for some crazy reason last night. Um, Lacazette just seemed to not want to score a hat trick. But uh, hopefully, Ollie Watkins is in, is in the form and Jack Grealish is in the form. We can cause them some difficulties um, at the weekend too. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Uh, thanks to thanks everybody. For us, yeah. I've seen... No, any time, any time. Uh, you're more than welcome. And thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, as I say, a busy week uh, this week. Two games and a transfer window. So we're going to take a small bit of breath over the next day or so. Come back to you after the Stoke game. But all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. Hold the back page. I completely forgot to do our Lakers sports God's choice. Man of the match for the Fulham game last night. I got caught up talking to the guys but it would be uh, very remiss of me not to mention our uh, our sponsor Laker Sports. Sports uh, gear, sports apparel uh, company based here in Limerick, in, in County Limerick in Ireland available to do anything for any sports club, any um, school team, any college team or anything like that that you have, whether it's jerseys, hoodies, tracksuits, bags, you name it that they will be able to give you a a good competitive price just give call give john a call um, and you'll be able to find any of their de- their details just google laker sports or you'll be able to find their twitter handle on the tweet for this podcast as well. And the Laker sports, God's choice, man, a match last night was John McGinn. And I think it's very, very fitting because John McGinn has come in for a small bit of criticism. Well, maybe not criticism, but he's Dean Smith mentioned that he has been, um, there's been a lot of people maybe questioning him after the Sheffield United game. Last night, he was back up to full fitness. He ran the show, he was everywhere. He had two assists. As I mentioned in the podcast, he was on the Who Scored team of the week. And he is a very, very willing recipient of the laker sports god's choice man of the match award for the fulham game as i said there about to the guys that's definitely it this is podcast over and all it's left to say is up the villa
1: Podcast Network.